Hey guys, this is Courtney Mason, and this is the Millennial Dreamers Podcast. I was watching a television special once about Valerie Jarrett, a former advisor to President Barack Obama, and she made a statement that really stood out to me. She said, you can have it all, but not all at once. And the it she was referring to is whatever you personally want for your life. Today's guest is proof of that. Kayla Williams is a proud native of Toronto, Canada, and has managed to fulfill many of her career endeavors to date, though there were detours, setbacks, and sacrifices along the way. But ironically, They all worked together to open doors and opportunities for her that she could have never dreamt of. In this episode, you'll hear about her journey of becoming a news reporter, but also how she was able to fulfill her dream of becoming a professional athlete as well. Her story is crazy inspiring. Let's get into it. Millennial Dreamers, today on the podcast, we have Kayla Marie Williams. Kayla is a news reporter for Toronto's CP24 in Ontario, Canada. She got her feet wet in the world of news reporting many years ago as a weekend anchor with KTVE 10, an NBC affiliate in West Monroe, Louisiana. Since that time, she's worked for a variety of television and online companies in the United States and beyond and has expanded her resume to include sports reporting. She has worked for Sprite and Global Basketball, as well as mm-hmm. as a sideline reporter and host for Ticats TV for the Hamilton Ticats of the Canadian Football League. There is so much more that she has accomplished, which we will dive into in this interview. But just so you know, Kayla is the epitome of a millennial woman on the rise. Kayla, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Courtney. You know, I was telling you, this is my first my first podcast, so I'm really excited. Now, I'm excited to have you on. That makes me really feel like I'm doing something that I've been, you're a reporter, <laughs> and this is the first podcast you've been on, so it's a privilege of mm-hmm. mine. Um, but I gave a very brief introduction, which barely scratches the surface, so please give our listeners a glimpse into your background. Sure. Um, so, originally, I'm born and raised here in Toronto, Canada, but I know a lot of people when they hear my connection to Northeast Louisiana, they're like, well, how on earth did that happen? But it was all thanks to a volleyball scholarship. So um, originally from Toronto, and then I moved to Grambling in 2006, and um, I was there for five years total, and my time at Grambling was absolutely amazing it's definitely um a cornerstone in my life because i really think that a lot of the molding and shaping as a young woman took place there Mm -hmm. um and i'm sure that we'll dive into our connection because you know as a fellow alum we'll uh we'll dive into that in just a bit but yeah as far as like my my professional journey if you will um it did it started at grambling as you mentioned from there i was able to get a start um with an nbc affiliate in West Monroe, Louisiana, with NBC10. From there, though, my journey is so far from your typical point A to point B to point C. You know, there's like sometimes there's like an image online where you have point A to point B, Mm -hmm. and then it says God's plan, and then it's all over the place. It got up, downs, and valleys, and and turns, and twists, and ooh, there's a hurdle, and like ooh, got you there. Like that's truly been my journey. it has been far from straight, to say the least. After my time in Louisiana, I went overseas to Italy to try out for professional volleyball, as I mentioned, because I was an athlete um, during my time there at Grambling. Got cut from there, and then that then led me back home, sitting on my you know grandparents' couch wondering what's going to be next, which then ultimately landed me back in grad school in Atlanta, Georgia, where I uh, went and got my master's degree in sport administration, Um, while also still keeping my feet wet in the broadcasting field by doing a lot of that freelancing while living in Atlanta, um, as you mentioned, with global basketball and with Sprite. Um, And then from there, my journey brought me back to uh, volleyball where I managed to play professionally and went and tried again because I just didn't like how that 
me being cut just kind of really sat in my mouth. Like I, it left a, a bad taste in my mouth. So I went at it for one last time and I got picked up this time around, played a year of professional volleyball in the Philippines. Um, and then finally from there, that brought me back to Toronto, Canada, where I was going to play again. But then I got this opportunity with the Hamilton Ticats, a team that initially I didn't really know too much about. I barely knew much about the Canadian Football League, but I said, sure, why not? And then my experience from there ultimately led me to my now current job, which I would dare to say is almost close to a dream job, where um, I work for Toronto's breaking news, CP24, one of the top stations in, in, the, in the city and arguably in the country. Now, that really is a story that does not have a straight path um, or, you know, no, so not much. At all. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible to think that the resilience that it took to say, you know, you get cut from a team in Italy and say, you know, I don't I don't like that it ended that way. I'm still going to pursue this, even though I'm doing something else that I'm, I'm passionate about, which is reporting. So we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. But I did want to take a step back and talk about your experience attending Grambling because I didn't want to divulge that right at the outset because I know people might say <laughs> she's just she's biased towards Gremlin alum. But no, it really is something to be said about Gremlin that so many great men and women who are doing great things have graduated from our alma mater so not taking that away from any anyone else but it's just a product of Grambling State University and so another thing Kayla is my neo she is a, <laughs> she's also a member of the illustrious Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated so I must state that as well but tell us how pivotal the HBCU experience was for you did you Mm -hmm. ever think that you growing up did you say I want to I know that I want to go to a historically black college or did you just set your sights on playing volleyball and it just so happened that Grambling provided that outlet for you yeah so growing up in Toronto Canada during my high school years and as I was thinking about university uh no to be quite honest with you I what I did not have my my heart or my mindset specifically on HBCU. Um, My goal was um, being raised by my grandparents. My mother had died when I was three years old and my grandparents raised me since ultimately from birth. Um, I knew that volleyball could be an outlet, a tool, a resource that could potentially provide me an education. Um, During my high school time, my volleyball coach was like, you know, you're, you're definitely good enough to earn yourself an athletic scholarship in the States. This is something you should think about. And so Courtney, I, once he planted that seed in my mind that I was good enough and that I, I, I had what it took, I, that's all I thought of. So I literally went on NCAA.com, went to the division one link to all that listed all division one universities from beginning to end. There's hundreds of them. And from there back in the day, because I'm not going to share my age. I'm just kidding. I'm 30 years old, <laughs> young and thriving. But yes. back in 2005, 2006, YouTube was just coming up, right? So we didn't have Instagram. We didn't have um, all of these, like, up-to-the-minute, you know, social media. So I put my volleyball highlight reel on a DVD, and I burnt it on blank disc, and I ultimately um, – sent out my reel to every single division one university in the United States. Oh, wow. So I don't even remember the exact number, how many division one universities there are. I'd have to relook that up, but uh, I did that. I sent out, a, I created a generic standard email um, to which I went to every website, found the head coach's name, their address, their email, sent them an initial email, introducing myself, following up with my highlight reel in the mail. And at the time I was going to high school, you know, I was in high school, I was, wor- I was training, but I was also working. I had a waitress job. And so a lot of my money that I was getting from that job, I was using it to pay for the, the stampage for the, for the mailing to ship it from Canada to the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was just this journey of like, I was determined and I was shut down left, right and center. I got all kinds of no's. I got, you're too short. You're not good enough. We're done recruiting for the class of 2006. Um, you're not, you don't play the position that we're, we're, we're still recruiting for. Um, no, or just simply no responses. 
And through that entire journey of getting doors shut in my face, left, right, and center, I never gave up. I knew I, I knew something was going to happen. And I'm a firm believer that God makes doors open exactly how they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And it was towards the end, getting closer to graduating, that then came an email from a coach by the name of Kim Young, who was the head coach of Grambling State University. And she liked what she saw on the reel. And she invited me to come down for an official visit. And long story short, Courtney, I hopped on a plane. I went from Toronto to Shreveport, Louisiana. And we took that drive from that one hour drive from Shreveport all the way to exit 81. And it was different. It was a completely different uh, environment than what I was used to. I'm a city girl at heart. And then we came to rural Louisiana. But there was something that just in my spirit that was like, I'm supposed to be here. And she offered me my scholarship. It was the last one she had for that year. I accepted on the spot. I signed my letter of intent. And two and a half months later, at 17 years old, I shipped up, shipped my life down and I moved to Grambling. That is and incredible. Yeah. And since, and, and during that time, because, you know, we all, we all know, especially if you're, if you're part of GramFam, we are the place where everybody is somebody. And it's so true. Um, Grambling is definitely a spot where it's like, no one's going to hold your hand whatsoever you really learn to whether it be through financial aid or you know setting up your classes or whatever it there sometimes can be truly a love-hate relationship at times but there is no place like grambling and I would not go back and and have a different experience than the one that I did at during my four years there absolutely loved it I met uh, lifelong friends I made lifelong sorority sisters teammates that have become like family to me there's there was just such a close knit community during my time at Grambling. And whether you want to put it to the fact that it's a small university as far as population, whether it's an it's the it's the culture of an HBCU of just everyone supporting one another in some shape or form. Uh, it's it's second to none. It really is. That's really amazing. Um, just knowing all the ins and outs of your story. And for me, they're like, Four th- key things that stand out to me. Um, first, that I think a lot of times that we forget how important just giving a word of encouragement to other people can be. Because had your coach not fed into you and gave you that, you know, encouragement to say, hey, you can do this. That was like the spark that you needed to know that you're you were capable of of excelling and doing mm-hmm. um, the thing that the very thing that you wanted to do. So we have to remember that it's like always speak life if you can into others especially youth because that can be the thing that catapults them and encourages them to to go to the next level but secondly be innovative like I think that's absolutely amazing that you said listen I'm going to do a reel and just email as many you know cast my net as wide as possible and Mm -hmm. you know see where I can like what 16 or 17 year old you know thinks to do that you apply to schools and you just kind of like a lot of kids are just kind of lackluster about it and say like hey I know I want to go to college but you're, you're not thinking I'm gonna do this take this next step and be innovative and see how I can get my my information into the hands of as many schools as possible that's an inspiration for me as an adult because sometimes we get discouraged and you don't think of new and innovative ways to go about something that you want to do so to think Right. That, you know, you were saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do because I know I want to go to college and I want to play volleyball. I think that's incredible, but also determination, because even when you got all of those no's, you decided to keep going and then being flexible when you know, you know, like I know for because I've been to Gremlin, how it could probably be polar opposite from what you're used to in Toronto, Canada. It's just so small. So those are the four things that I kind of noted as you were talking. And so um, after graduation, you um, did you go immediately to Italy or you moved to Atlanta right after graduation? No. So what had happened was right after graduating, which I graduated December of 2010 uh, from Grambling State, I actually already had my first job in in place so as you mentioned i worked for um ktve which was the nbc affiliate just down the road 30 minutes away in west monroe i was actually interning with them for the last two months of my last semester at grambling so i was like okay this is great you know i'm interning like right at the finish line like who knows this could be something and i was um i was about two maybe three weeks into the internship and i remember 
the news director, her name was Bonnie Van. She pulled me into her office and in my head, I was like, she about to, like, am I going to get let go from this internship? Like I thought, she, I thought I was in trouble and she sat me down and told me that if I wanted it, there was a position waiting for me right after graduation as a news reporter and weekend anchor at KTVE. And I was just through the roof, Courtney. It was, uh, I mean, I probably, I'm sure I cried that day because it was just like my, I, I finally, like I had that foot in the door and, um, KTVE provided it for me. I worked there for a year and it's a small station, like in the scope of, you know, market size, it was hum- a humble market, 136, just yeah. to put it in perspective of market, you know, number one being New York city. So to start off at 136, um, it allowed me to get my feet wet, it allowed me to make mistakes, it allowed me to learn, it allowed me to uh, try different, I, I produced, I reported, I was my own camera woman at, at times, I was an anchor, I was a fill-in breakfast host, you know, so I got to do a lot in that year and a half that I was there um, while I was still young and, and, and learning. Um, but to piggyback and go back to your point about how, you know, speaking life, especially into young women, so many young women um, sometimes may not even realize what's outside of their current environment. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a specific area in Toronto, in Scarborough, where, you know, not many people I knew, you know, went off and and had got scholarships to the United States. It's truly amazing how the sport of volleyball has opened so many doors for me where I was able to travel across the, the United States and ultimately the world. I've played in parts of the Caribbean. I've played in Europe. I've played in Asia. It's literally taken me all across the world. It's provided my, my, my way for a free education for my undergrad and my master's degree. It is, I, I cannot tell you how much, how important volleyball has been to me. And that, that was, that just so happens to be my particular uh, tool for success. Um, but I want to encourage, and like, that's something like now where I'm at, at 30 and in my, in the point of my life where I want to almost look back and like, plant that seed for young women, especially young women of color who are, you know, who have a talent, whether it be sports, whether it be arts, um, Mm -hmm. whether it be anything really, but just to know that like, Hey, if this is something you're passionate about and that you love, you can use it to excel and use it as a tool to get you to where you want to be. Right. No, that that's so true. Just use whatever it is, the skill that you have, something that you love. I, you know, am a lover of travel. So the fact that you were Mm -hmm. able to travel all over the world doing something that you love, I find that to be particularly inspiring for me. But also we're going to get into your time as a professional athlete. But I like how you marry your two loves in terms of your love for sports and your love for reporting and storytelling and Mm -hmm. was able to you know, become a sports reporter. Um, how was that transition from, you know, news reporting? Was it an easy transition to go from, you know, being an anchor to being um, on the sideline of in like representing Sprite and talking to, because I, I think to do sports reporting, you have to, you know, have a knowledge of different types of sports. And then you also have to be quick on your feet because, you know, some, it might be impromptu. They, they're coming at you with different things. So how was that transition for you? Yeah, I think that over the years, because I have, I've had so many different roles, like you mentioned, I started off more structured in news, in um, in television, I did. I wrote online while I was um, freelancing. I was able to do a little bit of everything. All of those different tools. It's like you just continue to put it in your bag, mm-hmm. so that ultimately, as you continue to get new experiences and get and, and reach new levels, you have you're you're acquiring and you're building and growing this bag of of tools and skills and and skill sets that you can then reach into. So. For me, when I was uh, a news reporter and and then I transitioned into sideline reporting and like you say, I was dealing with sports, I mean, naturally as an athlete myself, it was easy to, for instance, uh, communicate and relate to the players that I was talking to on a day-to-day basis. I understand what it's like when you have a nagging injury um, that's, you know, preventing you from being on the field. I understand what it's like when, you know, you didn't have such a great game 
you know, for, the, the frustration level or when you have an excellent game and you're and you're on top of your, you know, so I'm, I felt like I was able to use my experience as an athlete myself to then be a little more relatable to the athletes that I had to talk with and deal with on the sidelines or on a day-to-day basis. Um, and then as far as even right now, fast forwarding to present time, I am a news reporter as well as a breakfast morning host for CP24. And we are everywhere in the city. I mean, we truly do live television at its finest here. And so I could go from reporting about, say, for instance, the Toronto Raptors and their home game that they have coming up tonight. And then suddenly I find myself, um, you know, at a car crash scene where there's been, you know, say multiple injuries, whatever it may be. My day is never two. There's no two days that are ever the same, but all of that requires a lot of ad-libbing. It requires to be flexible. You cannot, like, you never have an, you never know exactly how your day is going to plan out. And so you have to be able to just go with the flow. And I think that that is something, especially in my industry, you have to be able to be fluid and you have to be able to adapt and you have to be able to, 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 Oh, something didn't go this way. Cool. That's fine. I got it. And just switch it up. Your, your mental, you, if you, if you very, if you have, if you harp on something, it, you're, you're too late. It like, that's really truly what it, what it comes down to. And so that's taken time though. Like, you know, it, 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 as I reflect and look back, all of the different things that I did during my journey and that has led me up to here now, it's all, it's been all for a purpose. Right. No, that, that's so true. I, and I, that was one of my questions, like how is, what's a day in the life of, you know, a reporter? Because I would think that it would be so fast paced. Like you said, you're, you're going from this to that and you just have to be really quick on your feet. So um, Mm -hmm. does your day start out with, you know, you're just kind of like, monitoring the news or you know you're just trying to figure out what's the next thing that you all have to go out and and report on or you're in the office and working with producers um, on stories how does a typical day for you um, at the office look so not as I mentioned it's definitely not typical and no two days are ever the same Um, but that's what I love about it I truly love what I do because because I have multiple roles at my job here at CP24, um, I don't have a typical Monday to Friday, nine to five. I work crazy hours. And for instance, even right now talking with you, it's on a, it happens to be on a Thursday. I'm off today. So I work on weekends. Um, on the weekend morning show, I am up super early, about 4 a.m. And I'm on air, you know, waking up the city of Toronto each and every weekend, Saturday and Sundays from 7 a.m. until 3 p.m. Um, but that's the hosting aspect of my job, which I absolutely love. I have two other co-hosts with me and every morning on Saturday and Sundays, we get to, you know, tell you what you need to know. We get to have fun with you. We hopefully try and make you smile and just kind of start your weekend off on the right foot. Uh, Then from during the week on Monday, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I kind of switch hats and I switch roles and then I go into reporting mode. So as I just mentioned, I can go anywhere from, covering sports to politics to current events to uh, crime scenes whatever is happening in the city of Toronto we are there so you never know what you're going to get into I can walk into my studio um, you know at the start of my shift which is typically what happens I go in for my makeup real quickly and then they're like okay yeah we're sending you to this story and literally as we're driving to that location I can get a call and saying scratch that you're go- you're now moving to this story, the mayor, the, the mayor is speaking and is announcing X, Y, Z. And it's just like, okay, on it. And you just, you have to, so on any given night, I can go from two, no, I would say three up to five different stories. Wow. And a lot of people are like, well, how do you, how do you do that? How do you just know what to do? Because as soon as you land, you're already on it, you're on television and you're, you're always live. Um, you're doing a lot of research on my cell phone. I don't have a typical office. Like, I don't even have a desk. I come in, I check in with my desk, but as far as like, I don't have an office space. My office is our live eye truck where we, we're going from location to location, setting up shop and I'm doing my research on my phone or on my iPad. Um, and I'm trying to get all the facts correct and straightened out as I'm heading to the scene. And as it continues to, uh, the, the story continues to move forward once we once we arrive so it's it's exciting it's crazy 
Um, it can, you know, some people they think it can be nerve wracking, but I love it. I love it. Yes, that's fast paced. I would, I would probably be the person that's like, I'm, I'm getting anxious, guys. This is a lot all at once. So I would feel a little nervous, <laughs> bit, you know, having to to move so quickly. But I think, like you said, you have that experience and you've done this for so long that it's kind of like second nature to you. So I think that's great. If there was anyone, so if. There are millennials that are listening and who are interested in, say, becoming a a news reporter or becoming Mm -hmm. a a morning host. What would you tell them that they should be doing to prepare themselves for a career such as this? You know, based off of what my experience is, I can truly say that no, no one's journey is no two people's journey is ever the same. You know, so I can, of course, give you experience from what I've done, but I also am aware that like as I just have been sharing with you that my journey is so unconventional. You know, some people go through their undergraduate years and they go through journalism school or what have you, and they start off at a station and then they just slowly climb, but surely they climb and climb and climb and they get to higher markets. I have all kinds of other experience, which some say, Oh, well that's in a completely different field, but I can take experiences and valued lessons learned from there. And it's, helped me now to where I am. So I would say to someone who's thinking of a career in, in journalism or as a reporter or as, you know, a TV host to work at it, you know, get your feet dirty, get your hands dirty. Um, whether it means volunteering, whether it means interning, you have to hustle. I think right now, and I'm blessed where I'm at, I'm fortunate to be working for such a great station now. Um, in the number one market in, in Canada at the moment, but I didn't get here overnight. You know, as I'm, I'm 30 years old Mm -hmm. and I have now, I have still so much that I want to climb and achieve and do, and there's still so much more to go. But a lot of people, especially when young, when young, uh, whether they be, you know, university or high school students, young women and young people look at me and they ask me, okay, well, how do I do, how do I get, it did not happen overnight. It (laughs) really didn't. Right. So this, it really takes, you know, cra- cultivating your craft, practicing, you know, networking, doing what you can, going that extra mile too. Because another thing too, it's like you can say you get an internship. At the end of the day, this actually goes back to like my time at Grambling. No one's going to hold your hand. No one is going to hold your hand mm-hmm. when it comes to defining your path. And especially in an industry like television, like broadcasting, like media, where it's so oversaturated. You know, there's, there's hundreds of people that would be vying for just one on-air position. Dare I say thousands. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to outwork the next person? How are you going to stand apart? What are you willing to do in order to get that opportunity? And it really comes down to how hard you're willing to hustle, how hard you're willing to work at it and to remain diligent. Because this is an industry where unlike, say, finance or, or computer IT or, or, say, medicine, where, you know, if you, you go through the years and years of education and schooling, by a certain point, you will graduate and you will immediately get into like a nursing school automatically or, or eventually equates to becoming a nurse. Right. But finishing and going to school in whether it be, you know, journalism or mass comm or, does not necessarily equate a on air job as a reporter. There are a number of people that I know that went through, you know, majored in a particular uh, major, but did not end up where I guess they would think. So you really have to, you you must go the extra mile. It is imperative. Yes, yes, and staying diligent. I love that. I love when guests say, you know, it doesn't happen overnight because I think that's a self-check for all of us who, you know, in this kind of age everyone wants microwave success you're ready to Mm -hmm. have it and you're ready to have it now but in actuality even you know people our age will tell you that it's it's taken them years and years to cultivate the skills that they need to excel at the job that they're doing and so we see the glitz and the glamour and if you follow and we'll give your social handles at the end but if you follow mm-hmm. Kayla you know you'll see that she's looking gorgeous you know outfits are on point and you're like I want to do that <laughs> I want to look like Kayla and like be on television and you know we don't know that you know you've been hustling and grinding and you know staying on top of it 
uh, for years mm-hmm. and years mm-hmm. and years to get to this point. I, I really appreciate that because every millennial person or even if you're you know younger or older, that's a check for us to say, stay the course. And eventually right. when you put the work in, you will uh, see the fruit of your labor. So I love and, it. And, and we, we all fall guilty of it. I mm-hmm. mean, even myself, like there's still moments where, you know, as you continue to grow, and this is something that everyone, regardless of how old or young you are, you never want to stop attaining goals. You should always have, a, you know, something that you are striving towards. And once you reach that, once you crush that and you're at your new summit, you're like, okay, now what? Like that's how I, at least that's how my brain always operates. So I, I almost look at it as I'm like, God, thank you so much for the, where I'm at right now. I used to dream of this. So mm-hmm. now, now that I'm where I'm at, I I have new dreams. I have new visions. I have new goals, new summits that I'm trying to climb and achieve and reach. But you have to remind yourself, okay, well, the same diligence and the same patience and hard work that got you to here, you have to use to get to the next level. And it's not going to just happen overnight. And I know we all fall guilty of it. We, we just want something so badly, but we also have to know that it takes time because you don't reap the, the fruits of something that you planted just last night. It doesn't happen overnight. You have, to cult, you have to plant your seed. You have to water it. You have to cultivate it. You have to give it time. And then eventually you, you get to reap it. But it, it does. It takes time and it takes work. But, man, I'm, 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 I'm almost preaching. I'm, I'm preaching to myself right now, too. I'm almost giving myself <laughs> you're a preaching, Yeah, you know, you're preaching to yourself and to us. It's, I have to do that, too, sometimes. It's like we give. Um, and I think I, I actually took that quote from you on your page. I saw that you said, you know, it, it, the day that mm-hmm. you sow the seed is not the day that you, you know, reap the harvest. It was said, you know, in a different right. way. But that's basically. Um, the synopsis of it and I was like man that is so true Um, so you know we have to as we encourage other people we have to encourage ourselves and I'm right along with you but um, to take a step back into your life as a professional athlete I think it's incredible that Mm -hmm. you were able to not only live your dream of being a reporter but also as a professional athlete because we know from you know the your introduction in the beginning you say you know you were went to Italy but you were cut and then you came back you were working you went to you know back to school and I believe you were coaching also at the same time and then you Mm -hmm. were able to go into a team in the Philippines so how did that come about and what was that experience like because I think that's you know amazing that you were able to do that on a a professional level because it's something you've been doing your entire life and you wanted Mm -hmm. to do that so tell us a little bit about that yeah I'm well like I mentioned I I've been playing sports I've been an athlete since I was a child and so it was innate for me I love the game volleyball has been such a part of my life like it's it's I I don't know where I would be without it. And um, as you mentioned, it started off in high school, which then ultimately led me to my volleyball scholarship at Grambling. And then from Grambling, I tried overseas because I was like, I understand because as an athlete, we only have, we have a window of opportunity. Um, Around, during my time at Grambling, I realized in my head, I was like, I have two passions and I have like two big dreams of mine to strive and thrive as a broadcaster in like as a as as a professional but at the same at the same time I have these goals of and dreams of wanting to play professional volleyball too and I thought to myself well why can't I have both Mm -hmm. I I don't why not you know and so I understood that my goals of doing what I wanted to do as an athlete though would only I only had so much time and that's how I looked at it so that's why right after um, right after my time at KTVE, I went over to Italy and I, I tried out for a professional team and I got cut. You know, I was so sure I was training. I was re- I felt ready. I went over to that. I went on that trial. It was about a, it was a two week trial where a group of North Americans, a com- combination of Canadian and American girls, we went overseas, we went over to Europe and we tried out in front of, you know, team managers, coaches, um, team owners and whatnot. And if they liked someone, if someone, you know, caught their attention, they would take them and, you know, they would join their team. And I didn't. 
some girls got, you know, got the call up and I, I wasn't one of them. And it was a humbling experience because you were like, I was so sure like this was it. I was going to play who knows, maybe a year, maybe two. And then like, you know, just kind of live this amazing professional athlete, European lifestyle, and then Mm -hmm. kind of go from there. Right. And it didn't, it did not happen how I thought it would, but it's just now that I'm sitting here and it's all full circle and I'm telling you my story now, God is so good because how it ended up happening in the end, ultimately ended up being better than I had initially even thought. So I came back and then that then led me to getting my master's degree um, at Georgia state in sport administration, where, as you mentioned, I was a coach. So I was an assistant coach uh, for Agnes Scott College, which is in Decatur, Georgia, while I was also a full-time grad student at Georgia State. So it was, it was a joint program between the two schools. So coach by day, grad student by night, essentially. And in the midst of all of that, I blew out my knee. I was playing in a tournament, a volleyball tournament just for fun. I tore my ACL, MCL meniscus. And mm. that's just, um, uh, it's a, that's as bad as it gets when it comes to the, when, to the knee injuries there wiped it right out. I managed to get through four years of, you know, playing at Grambling with no major injuries. And then I happened to play in this Labor Day tournament just for fun, blew my knee out. And I was just like, that's it. Devastating. I mean, I guess, yeah, it was, it was devastating. But at the same time, it was still, it was devastating, but it was almost like God still had my back because of all the places that, or at least the time in my life when I had to blow my knee out, at least it was during the time when I was working at a university. So I was able to still reap the, the benefits of the resources, such as an athletic trainer and a rehab clinic. And I was able to rehab with other injured student athletes. So, I mean, at least, yes, it, w- it was a bad situation, but I had resources around me to help me, you know, rehab appropriately and get back on my feet. So I, I was, still coaching and I managed to, you know, I rehabbed my knee properly. I got it back to strength where I was still, I was luckily back on the court within 10 months time. And fast forward to the end of my time where I I graduated from Georgia state. I got my master's in sport administration. Um, I was, I was, I coached two seasons with Agnes Scott, which was amazing too, because learning the the coaching aspect of the game too, was also a, um, a great experience for me we managed to win our conference. Like that was the first time Agnes Scott had ever won a conference title. Um, I got to learn the, the coaching aspect of the game as opposed to just being on the player side of things. I, I coached a great group of girls during my time there. I had a, an amazing mentor in the head coach, Catherine Gearlings, who was not only just a knowledgeable woman of the game of volleyball, but she was a, an amazing individual and she was a woman of Christ. And so she was, she, it was just a, it was a perfect point where I needed to be in my life and then I said you know what thank god I'm still healthy I still want that dream I know I can still do it despite blowing out my knee despite being a little older because I was around 26 at the time you know that's typically people you know if they want to play professionally they go right after undergrad so when they're still about 21 22 Mm -hmm. so I was a little older at that I was like can I still do it and then there there comes those words those those thoughts of doubts and the devil trying to creep in and being like, no, your time is up. You're washed out. No, you're not going to do it. But I was like, no, I'm determined. Like I knew this dream was going, like I wanted this dream so badly. And so did some research and come to find out that there was a new league over the course of the last like two years at the time that had just started up in the Philippines called the Philippine Super League of the PSL in Manila. Well, I'm half Filipino. And I said, well, how crazy would it be if never been to the Philippines myself, but how crazy would it be if I would be, be able to go out there and play? So long story short, I ended up being able to go on a one-way, I booked a one-way ticket with that much faith that I was going to get picked up. And I was like, I'm not coming back. I'm only booking a one-way. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I love um, it. And I ended up going out there for a tryout with a team. And we ended up winning, like it was for a tournament. We happened to, the team that I was put on as like, kind of like my tryout, we ended up winning the tournament. And then another team by the name of the Photon Tornadoes picked me up and I ended up playing a year in the PSL. And it was an incredible experience. I lived in Manila. Um, As I mentioned, 
it was my first time in the Philippines and being half Filipino, it was an amazing experience and journey to go back to like to one of my motherlands. My father's side is from Jamaica and I had actually already had a chance to play um, a little bit down in the, on the Island of Jamaica too with, with part with members of their Jamaican national team. And so now I'm over here in the Philippines playing and I even had a chance to meet extended relatives relatives of my grandmother that I'd never met before. Wow. I was also reunited with my grandmother. It was just an incredible experience. And then from the, from the volleyball side of things too, our team was an underdog. And that's another thing too. I've always fought for the underdog. I feel like I've been the underdog in many ways in my life, many, many times. And even if you look at it, even from grambling, like we're small, but we're mighty. And like, it's just been part of my DNA in the sense that like a lot of people have always ruled me out or thought, I couldn't do something and I'm always fighting. Mm -hmm. And I think that you have to have a little bit of that dog in you to prove people wrong and to like, never mind all of the doubts and you just got to keep at it. And our team that going back to the Philippines. Now we were an underdog team. I think the best they'd ever finished was fourth place. And we went on to win the PSL that year. We were the 2015 champions and it was amazing. And like, it was just such an incredible journey and one that I will never forget. And ultimately, it came around full circle where I was able to achieve that dream of playing professionally. Um, I also was able to even play and represent uh, Jamaica with their women's indoor national team as well. Like there's just been so many opportunities that have been able to come my way. Um, but as I look back at it full, full circle, God has a way of like turning one thing. Like if he closes one door, I promise you an even better and bigger door will open. Mm -hmm. That's like something that could not be more perfectly written as like God has his hand all over this because to play professional volleyball in the Philippines and you're from the Philippines and get to meet your family that you I mean you've never been there and get to you know meet your family and then win a championship with an underdog team it's like what in the world that doesn't happen so it's just mm -hmm. man it's that's just an inspiration at all and then it it gives us myself as well and listeners a thing to to think about is to find um, everything is about perspective and I'm a big proponent of finding the sil silver lining in anything yeah. that happened, even if it might seem negative. So for you to say, you know, you got injured, but it was the best time for you to be injured because you were somewhere where you can get the rehab that you needed. You can get, you know, heal properly and then mm -hmm. work with the team, you know, your coaching, all of this is, is helping you for skills that you need later on as a sports reporter. And you're working with the team that wins a, a title like that all of this is just crazy to me I think it's so dope <laughs> that you know it's just it's, it's paints a picture of don't be afraid of the detours in life right it's just right all things right. work together um the way that they're supposed to and we've mentioned and you've said a number of times how God has shown you different things and so I want to know how important is your faith in your walk and you how you keep you know a level head and in the way that you think about things and um, the success in your career how much of that can you attribute to your faith and your belief system it's it's everything um I would not be where I am and as I look back on all the ups and downs it's like I I cannot stress how important my walk has been um and even the most I would say like the last year now, Courtney, my walk has really strengthened with God mm -hmm. and has really, um, he just continues to show himself, but it's a journey. Like you said, I actually, I was raised and brought up in a Catholic household actually. And it wasn't until um, my sophomore year at Grambling that I was introduced to a real relationship with Christ. Um, and I think that if anything, actually, if any takeaway, the most important takeaway from my time at Grambling was being saved um, and was getting to that realization of who he is in our lives and just finding out that there's more to it than just religion. It's more mm -hmm. about relationship. And so for me, um, having that source of my strength is 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 everything now and so now at this point i'm at a point in my life now where you know people are like 
oh, you, you're, you're doing such an amazing job or you have such a, they, they, they see all of the good. And that's great. And I'm so happy that people inspired. But one thing about it is that what I really hope is that I'm being a good steward for him. Mm-hmm. And I really want people to see his light through my life. If, if someone, and, and w- one time I remember getting an email from a viewer here in, in, in Toronto, and they said, you know, there's something different about you. It's like there's a bit of a light. And to me, I love hearing that. And I think that that's so important because it's like, yes, I want there to be something different because that difference right there, that little bit of light, that's God. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that for me, like, it's just, I spent a lot of time in my journey and my walk trying to, I guess, do it my way. And I'm at the point now in my life where I understand, like, whether you want to get with it or get lost, like, God's will over my life is the most important thing. And so I'm going to do at this point, I am giving him, truly giving him the wheel <laughs> right? and letting him take, take over. And in that process now, I'm just, I, I really want to ask the question of how, how can you use me, Lord? And I think I'm in a great place where I've been blessed and fortunate enough with this particular platform where, you know, people do see me. I, 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 I've almost become a part of people's everyday lives. They see me on their t- on their TV screens, night in and night out, or night every morning on the weekends, or whatever it may be. And 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 um and it's great. But I want to continue to almost. I just want people to see Christ in in what it is that I do, and I just hope that I'm 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 representing Him well. Yes, and you are. I mean, just following you, like I said on social, we can see that light and that's why viewers notice it even if it's not overtly stated and you're not on the news you know saying professing your faith every every Mm -hmm. time you're on they can tell that there's something different and they'll want to know more about you and then when they go to your platforms and they can see things that you talk about and, and you might share and just hearing your story like on this podcast and seeing just kind of how your steps were ordered um, I think that's going to continue to inspire people and, and they'll see more of Christ in you um, through the through what you're doing. So um, I'm always a supporter of you and always inspired by your journey. And one last question that I wanted to ask, you know, because this is the Millennial Dreamers podcast, what is something that you could give as advice to anyone regardless of their industry, regardless of their dream and what they want to do, what's one piece of advice that you can leave listeners on their journey um, to keep them motivated in, as they go through their process of realizing their dreams? I would say learn, no matter where you are in your journey, to give yourself grace and to kind of stop and pause and remember that you're probably doing a lot better than you think. And just to kind of and to understand that it is a journey and because we really do need to get out of the mindset of this microwave instant success. Right. And I know it's tough. And because, you know, when there's seasons of solitude or there's seasons of things just not going the right way, because I mean, I know that I, I have listed off many of my um of the positives in my life and of, of, of the successes in my life. But there are, there are, there are dark moments. There are moments where there are the denials, there are the rejections, right? There's, there are the, the lows, but understanding that, like you say, if you have the right mentality, that even those lows and those down moments are still part of the bigger picture and it's still used ultimately for your good. So to just remain encouraged, um, that would probably be my, my best advice because regardless of what you're trying to do, whether it be a reporter or a doctor or a lawyer or an artist, you're going to have your own individual unique sets of challenges and trials, but how are you going to overcome it? How are you going to persevere? It, it takes, you, you have to understand you're going to get knocked down. Like mm-hmm. life wouldn't be life if you were if you didn't get knocked down. Who tell me? Show me one person who has you know who has a, a story of true success that got to where they are without getting knocked down, without having you know any sort of person having to 
exhibit their perseverance. Mm-hmm. There's no one, no everyone, one. every person that I, I look at that I admire, I admire them because of the, of the challenges that they faced and how they overcame them. Mm-hmm. Not because they had an easy, you know, point A to point B. Exactly. Exactly. Failure is the seasoning to success that makes it that much sweeter. I think that's that's just one of the things that we have to be uh, conscious of. I mean, it's a part of the story. And once we accept it, we can know that, okay, I'm that much closer to what God has for me and what, you know, what the vision is for my life. If I'm just continuing to push past that Uh, incredible, Mm -hmm. incredible advice. I know so many of our listeners will take this and, and be inspired and encouraged to continue on with their journey, no matter the obstacles and the detours. Kayla, where can our listeners follow you on all things social? All things social. My handle is at Kayla Marie T.O. Kayla Marie T.O. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's, that's, (laughs) I was trying to think if there's anything else, but K-A-Y-L-A-M-A-R-I-E-T-O. You heard it there. Follow Kayla. You will be inspired. And you can get some fashion looks also because I'm always like, let me put my outfit together. (laughs) You know, I think you had on like this dope red suit recently. And I was like, wait a minute. I think I want to. Where can I find that at? Let me look at that. So (laughs) be sure to tag your, you know, your outfit sources. So the rest of us who want to be just as fabulous, we know. Listen, (laughs) I'm just I'm trying to get like you, Courtney. Okay, I, I, I try. I'm just trying my best. You know that I stop it. (laughs) I am trying. Look, we all we can all just swap out and be like, no, I'm trying. No, I'm trying to get like you. You're you're doing things right. (laughs) But thank you so much, Kayla. This has been an invaluable interview, and I appreciate you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much, Courtney. No, this is fantastic. I love everything, what you, what this stands for, what this represents. I think this is fantastic. So I'm on Thank you for having me on. You're so welcome. And Millennial Dreamers, we're signing out. Peace. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you have any ideas you'd like me to discuss on the podcast, send me an email to millennialdreamerspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's millennialdreamerspodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Oh, and hit the subscribe button. Talk soon. Peace. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.